This is Enjoy Cherokee Voices, a podcast recorded live to deliver in-depth conversations with dynamic people from all corners of Cherokee County. Listeners like you sink into this weekly podcast to learn more about the people that make Cherokee County extraordinary. And now it's time to get to know another neighbor. Here's your host, Jody Drinkard. Hello, hello. And welcome to the studio, Mr. David Vaughn. How are you? Terrific. How are you? Good. You might just be one of the most famous people in Cherokee County. Get out. I'm serious. Really? That's right. You are a photographer, and I see your photographs everywhere. We try. I see your photographs not only on the internet, sometimes in the news, yes. Yes. And... Even on Enjoy Cherokee Magazine. Absolutely. One year ago, in the July-August, over a year ago now almost, Mm. the July-August edition, we featured yours on the cover, one of your photographs on the cover, which has been one of our best covers so far. It is the U.S. Navy Blue Angels in action. Absolutely stunning cover that we had. Thank you. And we had a great story. Uh, When I spent a morning with you on a boat, on your pontoon boat on Lake Alatoona. It was an early morning too. It was. I got there before the crack of dawn. I was up and over at your house. Before sunrise. That's right. You have the greatest little house there on Alatoona. How long have you lived there? Uh, 13, 14 years. But that's not the first time you didn't just like move there. No, no, no. You have a long history on Lake Alatoona. I actually grew up on Lake Alatoona back in the long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. and learned how to ski on the lake with my dad back when you used to have these little small little life jackets that didn't go around you and stuff. And I was Like too, the ring thing on yeah, your... Yeah, the ring thing. I was, and I was too skinny, so it wouldn't stay on. So when I fell, it would go around my ankles. My dad would have to come back out there and help me, uh, you know, get back... Oh, my goodness. Put the belt on, because I could ski before I learned how to swim. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. You could, it's like you could walk on water before you could sink (laughs) in water, right? Oh my gosh. So when did you start coming out there? Well, actually, uh, we lived in Atlanta and my dad had a cabin up at the lake in King's Camp, a place called King's Camp. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's actually called that any longer, but uh, we came up there every summer growing up in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And you lived in Atlanta. How many sisters and brothers do you have? Brother and a sister, and I'm the baby. You're the baby. So you would come up here every summer, and your dad would actually commute back to back Atlanta. In, back to because in those days it was a long drive. Mm-hmm. So he would go. No, he would come up for the weekend, drive back on Monday morning to work, stay at home all week, and then come back on Friday. You were living so, the lap of luxury. It was awesome. It was awesome. All the kids would run around, play, and swim, and ski, and fish, and do all the things you do on the lake. Now we call you Super Dave. Super Dave Photography. Isn't that your website or what? Yeah. Yeah. The Super- website superdavesphotos.com. But you are, you really are kind of like Super Dave Alatuna. <laughs> You've been here as long as anybody. As, as Alatuna. No, not quite. Well, no. Oh, actually, wait a minute. Actually pretty close to it. <laughs> That's right. It's a man-made lake. It's a man-made lake in 1953. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. Like well, I'm not going to ask you how old you are. Yeah. I'm old. You're not that old. <laughs> You're crazy, but you're not that old. Mm. All right. So when did you take your first photograph? I was just a kid, had one of those small little cameras, and I just 
clicked around, took some pictures, enjoyed it, loved it. But then, you know, as a kid, you, you have different things that you do. So I didn't stay with that very long. And then later in life, I began to enjoy some photographs. And then I had a friend of mine said, would you photograph my wedding? I'm mm-hmm. more like, sure. I had no idea what I was doing. But I've borrowed cameras, photographed the wedding. They didn't shoot me or anything, so I guess it worked out okay. And then- Are they still married? Uh, that I don't know. <laughs> I think they got separated and divorced because of the photos, but I'm not really oh, sure. Oh, no, no. well, that's a whole nother, that's a book. That's a whole book, yeah. Yeah, that's another story, another day. But uh, did the photographs there for that wedding and really enjoyed it. And then I started taking some classes because I was pretty much self-taught. So I started taking some classes. This is the coolest thing taking this class and you had to shoot everything in slides that way you can't adjust or do anything to this to the photograph so we had to do a presentation and doing the presentation you had to find a subject matter take the photographs and then you had to put it to music and then you do a slide presentation for the class so hmm. all these guys were doing great things and you know they're going to studios and photograph and they were photographing the police department academy and stuff like that and I couldn't find anything I wanted to do and then one day I was riding around in my car and I saw this guy out in the middle of the dump <laughs> seriously out in the middle of the, with a full set of drums out there and he was just banging it out so you were just I, first let's back up here you were just driving around having a, doing nothing and you end up at the dump. Well, I'm going by the dump. I didn't actually oh, okay. go to the dump. I, <laughs> yes. I was just I, lollygagging around I in the dump. I do that on Saturdays. I go to the dump sometimes. You know, what the heck? Just hang out and see where the garbage people And some up. dude is sitting out there he's with the drums. Out, he's with a full set of drums. And I'm an ex-drummer as well. I played in a rock and roll band in the 60s. Get out. But that's another story too. But anyhow, so um, I see this guy out there and I said, he can't say no. I mean, he's in the middle of the dump. He's got to say yes, photograph me. So I pull off in there. Go up to him. I said, listen, I'm taking this photography class and I really need a good example. Would you mind if I photograph you while you played? He said, no. I said, by the way, why are you out here playing? And he said, well, honestly, because uh, my wife won't let me play the drums at home because it's too loud for her. So every Saturday I come out here to the dump and play my drums. Isn't that crazy? And I said, that's awesome. So he played, I photographed, put it all together, put drum solos in my music. I didn't win the prize, but I was in the top five or six. So that was that was my first time out doing something like that. So I really got a fever then about photographing. So your whole project surrounded around the dump man. This drummer. This drummer. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. Do you still have that project? You know, I I, I doubt it. Okay. I, that's been a lot of years ago. A lot of years ago. So your friend that asked you or the person that asked you to take the wedding pictures was that the first buck you made as a photographer? Well, I really didn't make any money on it. I did out of kicks and giggles just to see if I could do it. And uh, I've done one other wedding since then because it's too much pressure on a wedding. Because if you don't get the kiss, you don't get the vow, you don't get the right thing, then that's the only thing they're looking for and they're not happy about it. So I've learned. Now, would I do it now? Possibly so. You know, after many years of experience, I would probably consider it. But that's something that I'm just not into weddings. Most of my photography is in three categories. I pretty much do travel photography because I love to travel and meet new people and photograph people and wildlife and in sports. And not necessarily in that order. It just really depends on where I am and what I'm doing, you know. So it's uh, travel, wildlife, and sports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very familiar with your wildlife photographs and so is everybody in the area, I think, because that's what's accessible to us. What's the most exotic bird that you've ever shot on Lake Alatoona? The bald eagle. It's on Lake Altoona? On Altoona. It was great. There's a several nests up on Altoona. They're hard to find, but once you find them, 
it's a it's just a great shot. So I was up one day, it was early morning. I was looking for this bald eagle because I knew where he was supposed to be. I couldn't find him. I couldn't find him. Then all of a sudden, I eased up in this little cove area and I looked up in the street, and there he sat. I reached down and grabbed my camera, got two pictures of him. He looked at me and then flew inward, and I've never seen him since. That was the only time you saw that eagle? That's the only time I've seen that eagle, and I've hunted for him for hours and days. How long ago was that? That was uh, this past summer. Uh, I didn't get out a lot this summer because I broke my wrist and hadn't been able to get out as much, but now I'm I'm all good, so I'm going to be back out looking for him. So how'd you break your wrist? Playing pickleball. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose that's supposed to be a non-contact sport. It is, but I play hard. (laughs) <laughs> and I fell and broke my wrist. <laughs> you poor thing. How long were you out? Uh, most all summer. I had to have surgery. Oh, my And I got goodness. a metal plate in my wrist now with oh. eight screws. Ugh, pickleball. Yeah, it's fun. Doesn't aging suck? Totally. Oh my totally. <laughs> Let's get back on photography. In particular, football. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that, how you got started in football? Well, I have a friend of mine who's a professional photographer in Kentucky, and he shoots sports and shoots football and stuff. And I thought, well, maybe that might be an interest for me. And so he got me into saying, you need to shoot. You need to do this. So um, several years ago, I just contacted some schools and was able to get in there and start photographing. Mm-hmm. So You find what's fun about that? What is I like the excitement, the, the incitement of the players as well as it's a lot of motion, a lot of action going on. So it's trying, it's trying to what I call get the money shot. You try to get the money shot, the best shot possible. I'm going to ask you a question. This dates me as well. Brady Bunch. Do you remember a yeah. show about the Brady Bunch? A football photography picture? Do you remember? I don't recall that. First of all, there's not that many episodes of the Brady Bunch. It's only like maybe three or four seasons only. But there was one photograph. Somebody took a photograph of a touchdown and they blew the photograph up just enough to see that it really wasn't a touchdown. And this is what's in my mind when I see you taking pictures out there. You're going to, sometime you're going to find out that that really wasn't the scoring point after all, and it's going to be, you know, go down in history. Well, that's funny because there are times when I'm photographing in the end zone and you're taking the picture, you look and see, and sometimes it's like, is he in the cross that line or not? And I can look back on my picture and go, no, he's not. Or yes, he was, depending on the situation. Isn't so it does something? happen, but you can't go to the referee and say, well, I got it here on picture. I got, oh, yeah. the, I got the picture. Here you go. I, I, I can see Dave on the sideline holding his hand up. I got an answer to that one. We can answer this. You know? <laughs> not going to happen, right? Not at all. Goshen Valley provides peace and purpose to youth in foster care. There is an ongoing need for foster families in Cherokee County and all over Georgia. Goshen Valley is here to help meet that need. They provide safe, stable, and loving family-based models of care for those in need. Goshen Homes is a vital component of Goshen Valley. Goshen Homes understands that siblings in foster care should not be separated because they grow better together. For this reason, Goshen Homes works to recruit, train, license, and support foster families working with sibling groups in Cherokee County and the state of Georgia. If you have a little extra room in your home and heart, consider learning more about Goshen Homes and the unmatched joy you can discover by becoming foster parents. Visit www.goshenvalley.org slash homes. That's www.goshenvalley.org slash homes. So tell me about um, where has your photography taken you as far as travel is concerned? Um, A lot of places. 
Africa, Zambia in Africa. Um, Zambia. Zambia. I don't even know yeah. which part of Africa that it's is. It's kind of the central part of Africa. Okay. Uh, Zambia, I've been, I've been to India. Don't ask me where I was in India because I couldn't begin to tell you, but I was in several places for about 10 days photographing. Then let's see, we went to, I've been to Cuba. I've been, those are some of the countries that I've been to, uh, as well as a lot of European countries, Italy, Spain, Turkey, France, those kind of places uh, in Europe. And then um, the last few years, because of conditions, I've mostly been staying in the United States and going to Alaska and out west and some other places. You've been to Alaska multiple times, is that right? About four times, yeah. Yeah. Four times. I love Alaska. It's probably the prettiest place I've ever been to. But you just don't show up there. You don't get off the plane and start snapping pictures. No, no, you don't do that. You got to go away from Anchorage, for example, or Fairbanks to take photos because they're small towns. Tell me what you do. Tell me, like, what's your plan when you go to Alaska? What was your plan? Well, I go with several other photographers as a rule. Mm -hmm. There's a group of us that go, and we have a guide that takes us around. Is the guide a photographer as well? He's a photographer as well. So he knows where to go and where to get the best shots and those kinds of things. So this last trip I was in last March and April, we started down in Homer, Alaska. And we left there and got on a boat and went to uh, Sedovia, a small little town, and photographed eagles for Mm -hmm. two or three days there in, in, in Sedovia. Just beautiful eagles hundreds of eagles. Uh, you just take the shots. I mean, just really, it's beautiful. Go up on the beach, you do everything. And the eagles are pretty friendly, to be honest with you. Pretty friendly. Yeah. I mean, they don't attack or anything like that. Um, they're looking for food. Mm-hmm. But the, it, in fact, it was so funny because I was taking some pictures. We were on the boat out from the shoreline and the eagles were flying around. I took my iPhone out and, and made a little clip with the with eagles coming across my head, taking a picture of me with the eagles. What? It, it was, yeah, it's pretty cool. But then, um, so we left there and would, it would photograph landscape stuff all the way. How many, how many eagles about do you, did you see? Like, I oh. mean, when you're saying like five eagles oh, or no, 20 no. eagles? I'm or? Probably in the three days, uh, 150, 200, 250 eagles. They come from, when you wow. first go out in the water and you go out into an area, you don't see them. Then all of a sudden one will show up, one will show up. And when that one eagle shows up, then all, all the relatives come up with them and it's just, maybe it. In that one setting, there might be 50 or 60 eagles come out. No kidding. All around, because they're looking for food. It's pretty cool. Do they find it? Do you see? Yeah, yeah, they do find Did it. Did you get some good pictures yeah, of them, some, like, diving out? Yeah. Is it only fish they're getting? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Yes. Yes, it is, in fact. Mm-hmm. Fish. Yeah, it's, but it's cool. Awesome. Okay. Okay. So then the next day you went? Or? Then we left and would, would drive from- Where are you staying? Are you staying we in- We stayed in a- hotels. In this particular trip, we stayed in hotels. Okay. Uh, went up towards- uh, Gosh, I'm trying to think because I was gone for like two weeks on that trip. Um, went near uh, Mount McKinley, which is mm-hmm. Denali, up in that area, and stayed at a bed and breakfast up there overlooking the mountain with the snow still on the mountains. It was just beautiful. Took an airplane ride up over the mountain, landed on top of the mountain, got out, fell into the snow. Happened to be my birthday, so I was celebrating my birthday. And got out and just enjoyed the snow up on top of the mountain and, and learned something that on top of this mountain is the only six acres that the federal government couldn't buy for that park area. It's privately owned, and very rich people fly in up there and stay and play and do all the things that they want to do up there. A lot of, a lot of backpacking going on up into the mountains, stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. So these very rich people that own the top of this mountain, mm-hmm. 
they camp out there or is there a, a no, no. cabin well, there or there's, something? There's, or? there's a house, a beautiful house. Oh, up there. oh it's a beautiful house. Up there. I'm sorry. It's a beautiful house up on top of the mountain. Do you have a good pictures of that? I do have some photos of that. Yeah, oh, from where we darn. Are. That's Cause, very cause interesting. Because right, right in front of their property is a, uh, almost, it's like a snow runway. And that's where they land and take off from on top of the mountain. No pretty, kidding. Pretty it, nice. Is it permafrost up there? It's constantly icy? I would think probably so. Because I was there in March and it was still snowy, very snowy, deep. Okay. So they drop you off. Did you land on that we land runway? On the, we land on the snow and then we get out of oh. the plane and just play around a little bit, take some mm-hmm. photographs and because it might be another plane that's up there too. Take a picture of the plane taking off and stuff like that. Awesome. And then, the, and then in the flight, you just kind of look around and take photos. I actually did a video on mm-hmm. that one because I was in the plane, took a video going over the mountains. It's beautiful. It's just gorgeous. Then you go back and uh, the next day, I think we took off and uh, headed up towards Fairbanks and with some intermediate stops in between and photographing mostly landscape because there's not a lot of wildlife out at that particular time of the year. Mm. So then we left and uh, went to Fairbanks and started changing to night photography to photograph the northern lights <gasps> and would be out photographing the northern lights. I saw those online now that you're mentioning it. Yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. It was beautiful, but it was very, very cold. We would be out, uh, start photographing maybe 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And I would have on three pairs of socks, <gasps> two pairs of long hill underwear. Oh, my goodness. A pair of ski pants. Another pair of pants on top of that, fully clothed up under my ski jacket, three pairs of gloves on, and hats to cover myself, oh my and then do it, and still freezing to death because it would be a minus twenty degrees. Oh my goodness! It was cold. It was co- to get some shots. And you would be up. So you'd, you got out there at what time? Did you say About usually around midnight, and then eleven to twelve o'clock at night, and then you'd stay out there for how long? Maybe two, three o'clock in the morning, depending on how, how good the lights were. Was it true? I mean, I saw, I've seen the pictures that you've taken, and they really are tremendous. But it must have been some kind of feeling to see that. It's just marvelous. I mean, just to see the beauty of it, and then they will they will shine through and then fade out a little bit and shine back through again. It's just it's just, and then the stars around you see the heavens. You can see, not like here, you can see hundreds and. I mean, thousands of stars. And the camera's so good that it would pick up this, the, the stars in the photographs as well. So it's really cool. Something we can't see with, your, with the naked eye so much, the lens camera can pick it up and, and develop that out. And then with the snow, it's almost a it's bright beautiful. evening. Isn't it's it beautiful. almost? A- yeah. It's, well, not necessarily not bright. The- uh, well, the first night that we saw the Northern Lights, we got up about two o'clock in the morning. Because mm-hmm. we were pretty tired. So we got up about 2 o'clock in the morning and went out and could see the lights. And it was just gorgeous. And it was brighter. That night, it was pretty bright. So it just really depends on where you are. And we moved around at different locations to try to catch up with the northern lights. Was it ever a black night where they didn't shine? Well, you would think it would be, but uh, it, we had light every night. Every night we every were shooting. Night every was. night we were shooting, yeah. Do they explain what the northern lights actually are? I've heard it, but honestly, I don't recall it. That's all right. We have fun facts with Katie at the end of the show, and we're I gonna love we'll it. get down to the bottom of it. Let's get Katie. Yeah, she'll she'll tell us what that's all about. But but it, what happens is 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 the weather changes. The northern lights are there year round, but oh. when, but when the lights there and there's more daylight, you can't see them. Okay, you can only see them in the dark, and that's why photography you, you're taking pictures of light is what you're doing with a photograph. It and they move around. The light moves, oh, they, right? They do move. Yes, they move around and. 
form different formats and stuff like that. It's, it's just fabulous. It's so funny because it seems very heartwarming for me to think of. I would feel like my heart would be all warm, but you're saying you were freezing your tail off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you're excited to see the Northern yeah. Lights uh-huh. and that's beautiful and it is great, but you are pretty cold. I mean, we, we have a, a big van that we were all in and what we would do is um, you set your camera out on a tripod and I have a remote on my camera so I could get it all set up and then go to the van and warm up a little bit and then come back and click some photos. Do you have to have special equipment that's going to last in this type of super cold weather? No, just surprisingly, most cameras, professional grade cameras are going to work okay in the cold weather. How about they're, the hot weather? What if you're on the beach? As well. Same thing. Hot weather, yeah, as well. They're built for that. I didn't realize yeah, that. They're built for that. I mean, my phone, my big camera equipment is my phone and that thing fries up if I leave it in the car for 10 minutes <laughs> in Georgia, right? Absolutely. Wow. All right. What was the craziest, not craziest, what is the most unique animal in Alaska that you ever took a picture of? I'm picturing like a doll sheep or something. Did you get a picture of a doll sheep? Not there. I got a longhorn sheep, but that was out at Yellowstone last year mm-hmm. in Yellowstone. And I love that because I was right on the shoreline with them and got some great close-up photos on that. I think for me, I love to photograph the grizzly bears. How close do you get to a grizzly? Well, you know, you're not supposed to be within 100 feet. 100 feet. All right. I'm trying to think but how big that typically, is. Typically, one of my best shots that I really like, it's been one of my favorite photographs that people have liked the most, is I was in the water up at um, Brooks Falls, and the bears are eating because the salmon's running, and they're eating to fatten up for the winter. And a bear was probably no more than 25 feet away from me. And, and it I, was paying no, it was paying you no mind at no, all. No, And he was just kind of looking up and um, I was able to get the picture. And I asked him, I said, I asked my guide, I said, let me ask you this question. I said, how quick could he get to me if he wanted to? <laughs> he said, before you get up off your knee. Oh my I goodness. I said, that's pretty fast. I that's am pretty paralyzed. Fast. He was actually up on the fall and the salmon were jumping into his mouth That on that particular photograph that you're looking at. I, is that the same bear? No, a different bear. Okay. Because again, it's like, so if you go, it's if almost you go, like eagles. <laughs> if you go to my website at superdavesphotos.com, you can see the Alaska pictures and see all the wildlife in there. And you'll see a picture of a bear. He's sitting by a tree stump and just kind of like, he's, he's almost like he's sitting down and he's looking at me and I label it, are, are you talking to me? You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you're talking, talking to me. You're talking to me. That's right. You know, and so uh, it, it's, I've actually entered it in several contests and won some contests with it as Did well. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. What's the most prestigious contest you've won? A contest, well, you know, it just really depends. It, to me, the contest of winning would be like on the front cover of the magazine. <gasps> and fortunately, I was on the front cover of Enjoy Cherokee Magazine. Oh. Last year, it was like an honor for me. Even even I've been in Pu- uh, People Magazine, but mm. but this was better. It was on the front cover, and it was Aww. more detailed. And I got to meet you and enjoy the time we had together. So it was it was fabulous. This was a really great day. This was really a great. We day did have a that. good day yeah. that day, and uh, we are so honored to have you on the cover. But there's so many things we couldn't go into in this magazine article. Because we could have written, a, seriously, you could write a book. One of the things that really was fascinating for me is your journey to Cuba. And there was, I, I believe there was just a, kind of a short window of time that people were allowed into the country to do travel. Um, am I right about that? That's correct. Okay. I think it was in 2019, you, we were allowed as U.S. citizens to go into Cuba. 
So I got a chance to go in there for a day. I made arrangements with a photographer, a local photographer there. I got him on the internet somehow, and he was able to respond back to me. So he was my guide. Because you, when I go to a strange place or a different place, not strange, but a different place, I like to hire somebody to go with me. Because that's local. That's local. I don't want to go everywhere the tourists go. I want to go where the tourists don't go. Right. To take my photographs. So he um, got back with me. He met me there. And we photographed all day. And, and there were like three areas of, uh, three or four things that I wanted to photograph. Cuba's always been interesting for boxing. So I wanted to get hmm. some pictures of boxing because in the Olympics, they've always had winners in the Olympics. And ballet. So I wanted to shoot some ballet. And then I wanted mostly to shoot some street people. And one of the last things on my street people was I wanted to make sure that I got a Cuban lady smoking a Cuban cigar. And that was, oh, that was the last, one of the last shots I took of the evening. It was a great shot of this little lady. And actually, I sit down beside her. She gave me a Cuban cigar. and We put them up together. And my photographer got pictures of me with her as well. It was, it was beautiful. But Havana was just a, a great place to visit. I had a, this, this young guy was a photographer, instructor at the University of Havana. The he, University of Havana? That's what he told me. Okay. That he, that he also... Did you have a reason to distrust oh, him? No. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. To trust him? Oh, yeah, I trusted yeah, him. Trust him. Yeah, yeah. We, went, we went to lunch together. We, you know, we did everything together. He told me that he has a family of three kids and he and his wife, and they have a small Volkswagen bug that they drive around. And the only reason why he was able to do that is because his dad owned it before him. Otherwise, he couldn't have a vehicle. What do you mean? Because you can't own, you can't own a vehicle newer than when the revolution took place. And what year was that? I think that was in 59, or I'm not sure exactly. We're going to catch that with Fun Facts with Katie. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, but but in the late 50s sometime in that area. You can't have a vehicle that's newer than that. That's why when you go to Cuba, you see all the old vehicles, and they're all put together with all kinds of things. They get stuff from China. They get stuff from Venezuela. It has to be a communist country that works with them, and they get stuff. This young guy had broken his camera, but he was so creative, he was able to fix it himself by, with some wire and stuff. You've got to be kidding. No, he was just, and if I, had I known, I'd have brought him some equipment, you know. Oh but my he was, goodness. He was a great guy. He took me around and uh, we did everything. He told me that, you know, that he only made an annual salary of $250 a year. Because $250 a year. A year, because he, he gets his food and medic, medical for free. Food and medical for free. free. From what I understood, and we, we talked about, I didn't want to push a whole lot while I was there. Oh, you're so much better than me. I'd be getting to the bottom well, of Well, but I didn't want to end up in a Cuban oh, jail somewhere. <laughs> That's the difference <laughs> between know. you and I. Yeah. I'd be figuring all that out and end up in jail. Yeah, okay. yeah. But, but we talked about it. So, um, so I paid him $250 for the day. Holy cats, he made a deal there. And then I gave him a $250 tip. Oh, my gosh. Because he was such a nice guy, he, and he did a great job. So... Oh my gosh, can you imagine? 200 that's less than a dollar a day and he's a university professor. And that's what he that's what I was told. So, uh, I have to believe him and he was just a really nice guy. Very nice young guy and knew how to knew how to shoot and, and got me in places that I would not have been able to get into for boxing and for ballet and those kinds of things. I would have never been able to get into those places. So, tell me about your shoot when you went in for the boxing. What did what was that like? Well, is it it was a training gym Mm -hmm. because they have a lot of gyms around there so this was a training gym and the boxers were in there boxing and so he went into the manager and just said i got a photographer with me and he wants to take some photographs and generally like anybody else i pay people because i 
more, especially in those kind of conditions. So I gave him a little bit of money, and he said, have at it, do what you want to do, mm-hmm. and was able to photograph and, and got lots of good shots. Mm-hmm. With the, you were with real the happy with that. I was very happy with it, very happy with it. Same thing with the ballet, although I didn't have to pay anybody with the ballet, but... Uh, the ballet, ballet. When, so where was it just a ballet studio or was it, was it somebody a, with the university it or? was a studio and mm-hmm. they were practicing uh they were having a practice se- session and so i've we seen some of those yeah. they're very artsy they're very yeah. nice photographs i was and I got some really them. unique pictures with that as well yeah. they're all on my website but one of the things you said was you really wanted to get some street people and by far one of my favorite sets of photographs that you have is i actually recall you with a couple ladies with some cigars right and um true true cuban cigars right you're sitting on a park be- or not even a park bench like a city bench mm-hmm. how did you go up to these people and what did you well, say to them honestly i think they they make money doing that because you really because you pay them a little bit of money and like i said there was a lot of tourists when we got back to that point There'd be a lot of tourists around, so they bribe or tell you, "Hey, get my picture, give oh, me a did. dollar, give me a dollar, whatever." You know. Uh-huh. So um, what I what I did was I I paid both of the women, took a lot of pictures with them, and then I took a lot of pictures with me with them as well. Mm-hmm. And because I figured, you know, I'm taking your time, I'm going to pay you for doing it, kind of thing. Absolutely. You know, I I do that in Atlanta. I do that anywhere I go. If it's a street person or whatever it happens to be, you know, I give them a little bit of money to help them out for one thing. And then I take take the pictures and they don't mind me taking the photographs. So these women that were sitting there and they had, it seems like there was not maybe a line, but there were a lot of people getting up and sitting down with them and all of this. Well, not at that particular time there were not, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was during the day they do that. Yeah, they do that to try to earn some money. Where'd you get the cigars? She has them. Oh, she has them? Yeah, the lady has the cigars, yeah. Is she selling them? No, no. Not, she's, she's selling photographs. Okay. Get, you get did the, you get to keep the cigar? No, I didn't, because I don't smoke cigars. I don't smoke at all. So did you, I, I did you not even put it in your mouth? You, I did not. I did not. I thought it was in your mouth. See, this is how my no, memory no, no, works. No, I was no. like, I don't know, it's hanging no, out of your mouth. No, 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 no. I had it like it was, I was smoking it, but it was not in my mouth. What were, did you go out to lunch and dinner there? How long were you there? Uh, just a day. You were there, there one just day. one day. And I went to lunch with my guide, and uh, we've spent the, a good hour-long lunch, and I had him recommend what to eat, local stuff, and we ate, and it was all good. It's really good. Really good food. Very good food. Good people. Good people. Everybody was as nice as they could be, and uh, had no problems. I didn't meet one person that was rude. Um, so how did you get there? On a boat. Ah. I found a little cruise out of Miami that was like dirt cheap. And I, all I wanted to do was go to Cuba. It was going to two, two places, but I didn't want to go the other places. It was nothing to photograph. But I wanted to get into Cuba, and I thought this would be my only way to get in there. Because just not a week or 10 days after I got back from Cuba is when the president took everything away and you couldn't go into Cuba anymore. That's right. I, I, just, just a couple of weeks after I got back, you couldn't go into Cuba anymore. You made it by the skin of your yes. teeth. Yes. Wow. But I would go back because it's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a beautiful place. I w- wonder how long it'll be before we can go back. Well, right now, nobody wants to go anywhere. So. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, um, I believe you also, you said you went to India. Mm-hmm. Do, what did you take photographs of there? Just, just anything to be honest with you any and everything that so many monuments so much religious 
yeah. artifacts, everything around there. Just uh, I took people in, in a leopard colony, photographs. So you were in India and you went to a leopard colony? Yeah. Leper, this, leper, leprosy. Le- leprosy, yeah, leprosy. And you took pictures, pictures of these yeah. people there. They have a little village that people, if how they did get you, it, they get what? Well, the guy I was know. with, he knew how to get into there. So he got me there. Okay, so you went to India and you had a guide. A guy. Similar. Yeah, similar, not a photographer, but I had a guy. He just took me around all over the place. Before you went, did you say, I would really like to go to this leprosy You know, No, place? I didn't. No? I just didn't know anything there that I wanted to really photograph other than I wanted to go to India. That's a very interesting yeah. choice. It was, it, it was interesting. It was, it, that was mostly for people. Yeah, the people I can visit see that. Kind of thing. And you've been to Cambodia. And I've been to Cambodia. And I'll tell you, of every place that I've been, the hardest place to me or the toughest place for me would be India. The poorest place. Poorest place. Yeah, is India. India just everywhere's poverty. Everywhere. Just oh my unbelievable goodness. where I was. Was it hard to use a camera sometimes? Not really. No. In fact, I would be in the vehicle riding with the driver and families would ride on a motorcycle and it'd be the whole family on a motorcycle. Mm. And they'd pull up next to you, I pull out my camera out and take a picture and they wave at you. Mm. It's kind of cool, you know, so it, mm. but it was an interesting place. Knee pain is something we all have experience with. The team at Georgia Medical Treatment Center is here to help. They offer drug and surgery-free treatment plans that treat the most common sources of knee pain. They also accept most insurance plans, including Medicare and Medicaid. For a free consultation or for more information, visit them online at georgiamtc.com slash knee pain. Don't live with knee pain. Beat it with help from our friends at Georgia Medical Treatment Center. One thing we talked about when we were on the boat, I remember you talking about the Corps of Engineers really is the landlord of Lake Alatoona, and that still is the case today, and I think always was. And your father actually served as a, a Corps of Engineers soldier, is that right? Or- right. He was, in the, he was in the Army. He served through the Corps of Engineers in, at Pearl Harbor. At he Pearl was, Harbor. He was at Pearl Harbor on December the 7th, 1941. During the attack. During the attack. Yes. He no kidding. Yeah. That yeah. must have been horrible. In fact, I just found an album of his he put to, he had put together that has hundreds of pictures of him all over Pearl Harbor and stuff like that, that I just found up in my attic and I started going through it. it, it all the pictures were taken in 1941 during the year no. of the attack and stuff. It was really pretty, pretty interesting. Wow. A lot of history. Wow. So he was he was in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, have you been to Hawaii? A few times, yes. I went back several times with him, uh, part of the Pearl Harbor survivors, and went back to different, like, 25th anniversary, the 50th anniversary, and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. would go back with him just to watch after him, to be honest with you. But you followed in his footsteps as well, is that Well, right? to a, a degree. Uh, I was in the Navy, but I really didn't do anything spectacular. Uh, well, you kind of did have a little cushy job there, didn't you? I had a very cushy job. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your cushy job. I was a cook in the Navy for the most part. And just and, and where? In the chief's quarters, which is a great place to work if you have to work. In the chief's quarters? Yeah. I'm working in the chief's quarters in what part of the world? Well, we were in, it was, it was, it was WW2 and a half. And uh, it was over in France and Italy and Spain and Turkey and Greece. Oh, all it, those sounds places. Like the, I mean, it sounds like the Mediterranean. It is. You're and, in the Navy in the Mediterranean. <laughs> yes. And, and it was during Vietnam. 
but I didn't have to go to Vietnam. My ship had just come back from Vietnam, but then it went on a Mediterranean cruise. So nice. Well, we needed people there. That wasn't, it wasn't just a cruise. It somebody was, had to do it. Yes. Somebody had to be there. Yeah. So thank you for your service. You're in welcome. That. You're welcome. And uh, you continue to serve the uh, public servants by taking photographs. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It was a Georgia State Patrol, and they do some uh, training each year. Usually at the towards the end of August, they'll bring out their helicopters, and they have men and women who jump out of the helicopter or people that are in the water like they're drowning, and they come and rescue those people out. So I've had the privilege of photographing for that for those guys as well. And what do they do with those fo- photographs? Do you know? I, I have no idea what they do with them, but they, they may use them for training because I, I, I anchor out where they are and just stay out there and photograph almost all day. Those are some couple, really interesting photographs, I think. Thank are, are they on your they're on the website? website to, yeah, they're on the to, website as well. Yeah. I, I would think that they would be very handy for training prior to getting out there. Could be. That, that that's why they would have those. I don't know. Yeah. The first time that I saw them, I said, man, that's cool. I want to go out there and see if I can photograph that. So I got in my boat and went out there and anchored down and started photographing. And then I went over and started talking to them. And they said, yeah, we're going to be here in the next three days. Come out and photograph. Cool. So I stayed out there with them and photographed each day. Okay. I know you love photographing wildlife. Have you ever gotten attacked by an animal? A mosquito? Hey, that's no joke. In Alaska, it's no joke. Mosquitoes are as big as Texas. <laughs> they are big. But no, not really. I've never been attacked. I, we came close uh, a couple of times ago when I was photographing grizzly bears. Uh, we walked up and found a grizzly bear asleep on the pathway. And as we got up, we didn't notice him till we got up too close. And then he woke up and stood up. And that was a little scary. But then he just turned around and walked off the other way. Oh, you're lucky. Yeah. Lucky. Well, here's what I figure with photographing grizzly bears. I don't have to be the fastest guy in the group. I just got to be faster than one other person. <laughs> and that, so, if I was in your group, that would be me. So I, <laughs> I always look around and say, I want to stand next to this person just in case. Oh, my goodness. You <laughs> but, got it all down but, to a science. But actually, you don't really have to because you're not supposed to run. Mm-hmm. You're just supposed to make a lot of noises. And act like you, your group would come together and act like you're a big group. And that would hopefully, the, the bear can't see very well. Mm-hmm. And so oh. they, would, they would think that you're a, bit, a predator bigger than they are and would go away, is what I've been told. Did you ever, like, fall out the boat when you're trying to take a good picture of one of your osprey? No, well, now that's different. Up at the lake, yeah, I've come close. Yeah? Because <laughs> I lay down on, my, on the pontoon boat sometimes and take pictures. It just depends on where I am, what I'm doing, how active they are. Those kinds of things. So I just try to get the best shot. Anybody get wild? Don't you take my picture. With people? Yeah. Uh, You know, I've never had one single person on the lake. Actually, the funny thing about it is when I post them up on the lake, up on their website, their Facebook Mm -hmm. page, everybody comments about, oh, that's me. That was me fishing this morning. Oh, I hope my wife didn't know I was off fishing or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) See, they're going to get caught. That's yeah. the deal. But no, they confess. They're able yeah. to, there to you confess. Go. But anyhow, I've never had anybody that's emailed me or texted me and said, hey, don't use my picture. But if, if it's something questionable, I've taken some pictures of things I really love just for my own use. Uh, but I wouldn't post it because I'm thinking, you know, that probably wouldn't be the best shot for they wouldn't appreciate that. So I try to watch those. How often do you have to upgrade your equipment? Well, I haven't upgraded in a good while, but I'm in the process of doing that now. I uh, am in the process of changing gear from 
Um, I've been shooting Nikons for a lot of years. I used to shoot Canons, and then I moved to Nikon, and now I'm moving to Sony. Mm-hmm. What's What's the reason for this switchover? Well, part of it is I'm going to mirrorless. Mirrorless. Cameras. And so, and they're faster. So I bought one camera that shoots 20 frames a second, and the other camera shoots 30 frames a second. Is this for video? It's fast. No, that's just still photography. What? Yeah, it's like lickety split. I mean, I can get you going. It sounds and coming. like cheating. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. If you could give amateurs three tips for how to be a better photographer, what would you say? Stay in focus. Look at your mm-hmm. subject, the rule of thirds, using that. And then, and also... What is the rule of thirds? Usually you don't put your subject of the photograph in the center. You put them on one third of it, either the left or the right third of it. Okay. And then just keeping it in focus. And then actually a lot of the is just getting the view on your subject, making sure you get the right setting on your subject. And not every picture is a good picture. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think pictures to me is just like using my iPhone. I get a picture. But if you're going to me, I want to take a photograph. And the difference would be, I take time and putting it together. And then at the end is processing the photograph and uh, doing your in Lightroom or photo, photo, Photoshop. Photoshop. <laughs> and, and, and ending up in, in putting it together. So the first one is make sure you keep it in focus. Take your time. Keep it in focus. Right. Remember the view of thirds or the rule, rule of, of thirds. Rule of thirds and, keeping, and your, not, keeping your subject not necessarily in the center, but on one side. left or right of the other. Right. And, and I'm then, not always good about that because I like, in football for me, it's a little different. I, I don't use the rule of thirds because I want to get the shot. I want to get the picture with the guy with the football. I want to get the picture with the guy with his helmet going in to make the tackle. So that's a little different for me. But when, with, if you're doing photographs of people and other things, you might you use the rule of thirds. Like if I'm doing a sunset, I'll put the sun over on the right-hand side of the picture and have the mountains on the left-hand side. Oh, Kind of keep it like that. Yeah, it sounds Something pretty like that. So, And then the last one would be post-production. Post-production. So that is has become so much more easy in the last 15 years, hasn't it? Totally. Totally. It's, it's a completely different world out it there. It is. It is. Now, does everybody need to have a $15,000 camera? No. How about my $15,000 iPhone? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Everybody needs to have a $15,000 iPhone. <laughs> but It's no, actually a pretty actually, good camera. You know... Uh, uh, several years ago, I took a, a big class on iPhone photography, and I'm still a member of that group, the fi- iPhone photography, and I get a lot of great tips that I use also with my cameras from that class, and it's a great class. The iPhones today are fabulous. Now, they can't do action shots and stuff like that like a, a still camera can do, but they do a great job, and I use my, I actually, I have some photographs in my lake house that I've taken that people love. They were actually shot with my iPhone. Shh, don't tell them. Shh, it's a secret. (laughs) I know. I I agree with you. And one thing you taught me that I remember to this day is that if you want a good shot, squat. (laughs) And it's not like squatty potty. I mean, it's a real squat. You just take it from a different angle. From a different angle. That's that's the thing. Not necessarily squat. That is funny, though. (laughs) I think I did say that. But basically, at a different angle. You know, everybody stands up with their camera and and does everything eye level. Get below eye level or go up on a bridge and get above eye level. Somewhere, get a different angle to make the shot. It makes a different appearance on the the photo. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do that everywhere I go. 
I don't, I don't, when I'm at photographing even a football game and there's mm-hmm. four or five other photographers, they usually kind of hanging out together, so to speak. Yeah. I go to a different angle. I want to do, I want a different perspective mm-hmm. than what they're doing. I don't want the same thing. No. I want to be different. You're different. Oh, I'm different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm six foot two with a head full of hair. <sighs> that it, that's different than what I'm looking at. Well, I'm saying, well, that's, that's only when I look in the mirror. You must be six foot one. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Are you or someone you know struggling with high school? Mountain Education Charter High School is a second chance opportunity for those students who have dropped out, fallen behind and need credit recovery, or simply want to graduate faster on an advanced pathway. Max operates Mondays through Thursdays from 4 to 9 p.m. with year-round open enrollment in a student-centered, self-paced, flexible working environment. Visit their website at www.mymec.org to find a location near you or call 706-219-4664. What's your next adventure? Where do you want to go next? Next, I'm going to North Carolina in September to photograph elk. In, the, in, the, in North Carolina, elk? Oh, yeah. It's big time. Get out of town. Well, I am. I'm going oh. to North Carolina. Okay. It's, um, it's rut season, so we'll go up there and photograph. I'm going with several other photographers and go up and spend three or four days photographing those guys. Are they up in the mountains? They're up in the mountains. Where about Boone? Or? Uh, uh, no, they're over near... Uh, Cherokee in that area near the national park up there. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's not far at all. A lot. No, it's not a bad drive at all. But I'm going to go up spend two or three days up there and photograph that. And then um, in October, I go to Minnesota. Oh, up in my neck of the woods up there. Yep, there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm going there and uh, photograph uh, black bears, uh, bobcats, a few other animals up there for two or three days. And what part of Minnesota do you know? Sandstone, Minnesota, just about 80 miles north of Minneapolis. Hmm, that sounds like some area that I'm a little bit familiar with. Taylor Falls up in that area there. Yeah, it is. Beautiful, beautiful terrain. About halfway to Duluth. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then back in in the Grand Tetons in December. Oh my goodness. Moose. In the snow. My husband and I went to Colorado and his dream was to see a moose. And we drove 14 hours in one day, all the way around. We left Estes Park, drove south over the Rocky Mountains, up through Grand Grand Forks or something like this, all the way back over the Rocky Mountains. Never saw one moose. What time of year? It was winter, as a matter of fact. And we got so lost. We couldn't couldn't go over the Rocky Mountain National Park, over that, the regular pass. Oh my goodness. It was a real, it was a real bad move on our part. I wanted to see rams, you know, the the sheep with the curly horns. And he wanted to see moose. We didn't see either one, not a one, until we got back. I'm not kidding you. A quarter mile from our cabin that we were staying in, we turned the corner and there were three sheep standing right there looking at us, chewing on cud. I was like, <laughs> we drove 14 hours and it was right here in our backyard. Well, moose won't be out during that time of the year, but or they might, some of them will be out, but they won't have their antlers because oh. they lose their antlers. Hmm. But um, even my last trip in March and April in Alaska, we saw some moose, but nobody with antlers. I think it was January we were there. Yeah, it's probably not a good time to see them with antlers, at least. We did see, we were up in Alaska in August, and we did see some moose there in Denali. This past year? No, no, several years ago. That was fun. That was fun. So, all right. Is there anything else you wanted to tell us about photography? Go out, take some pictures, have some fun, share with your friends and family, and enjoy. And when you're doing that, 
look at Enjoy Cherokee Magazine. Oh my goodness. We're going to hire you to do our promotion. Let's hear your website one more time. It's superdavesphotos.com. And you can also follow me on Facebook at Super Dave's Photos and Instagram at Super Dave's Photos. You follow are me. Super Dave. That's what they say. All it's missing is the cape. <laughs> and sometimes that's on too. It is. Stay right there. Don't move. We're going to be back with David Vaughn and his answers to some exquisite quickie questions. Medicare, what a headache. Where do I sign up? When's the enrollment period? Who can keep up with Medicare and all that other red tape? I'll tell you who. Bonnie Dobbs with the Bonnie Dobbs Agency. Bonnie and her team know all the answers when it comes to Medicare and other red tape. They might even help you find benefits you didn't even know you qualified for. Call Bonnie today if you're turning 65, retiring after 65, changing your living location, losing employer or union insurance coverage. Bonnie can help you with all things Medicare. Bonnie Dobbs is a licensed insurance broker who specializes in senior health benefits. There is never a fee for services, and you will never get that high-pressure sales runaround. Call today at 770-373-7541. That's 770-373-7541. Okay, are you ready to have some fun here? Let's do it. All right. We're going to have some quickie questions. I'm going to give you some questions. You got it. Right off the cuff, give me your f- best answer. There's no second guessing. Can you do it? We'll try. All right. Do you prefer summer or winter? Summer. How many cups of coffee do you drink a day? Three. Giving presents or getting presents? Giving. What's your favorite day of the week? Monday through Saturday. <laughs> What's your favorite sport? Football. I thought it'd be pickleball. <laughs> well, pickleball is a great sport, a little dangerous, but football is a little less, less dangerous for me. If you had to eat just one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Cheez-Its. No kidding. Regular, bacon-flavored, extra crispy? Original. Original. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Grizzly. <laughs> Grizzly, or bla- brown or black bear? Brown. What's your first car? A GTO. Color? Black. Year? 1969. What'd you pay for it? 2,500 bucks. What's your favorite place to eat in Cherokee County? The Altoona Grill. Yeah. It's a good place on the lake. All right. We'll go with it. Well, thanks, Dave, for coming in. In the meantime, I know you get out and enjoy Cherokee. Yes. But I want everybody out there to get out and enjoy Cherokee as much as you can. And don't forget your camera. Exactly. Enjoy Cherokee Voices and Enjoy Cherokee Magazine are produced by EMI, a nationally recognized award-winning multimedia content producer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For additional information about this and all of our podcasts, visit enjoycherokee.com. If you enjoyed this show, click subscribe and take some time to rate and review the podcast now. It really does help us succeed in the booming world of podcasts. And now, stay tuned for Fun Facts with Katie. And we're back with Fun Facts with Katie. How are you, Katie? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm kind of energized from that photography talk. Right? Yeah. I got to get out there and start snapping. Oh, yeah. I was looking at his website. Some of those pictures are incredible. What about those pictures, especially from Alaska with the Mm -hmm. northern lights? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. They're just amazing. I was so in awe. Makes me want to learn how to take pictures. (laughs) Makes me want to go back to Alaska. 
When I was in Alaska, my husband and I, James, we set an appointment, not an appointment, but at the front desk, you had an option to say, if the Northern Lights are out tonight, wake us up so we can go see them. Mm -hmm. And we had that out there and they forgot to call us. So we missed the Northern Lights. Oh no. It was like one, maybe one or two nights we had the option for that and it just didn't, didn't pan out. That's so so sad. Yeah. I would love to go to Alaska. I've never been. Make it a point. Yeah, definitely on on a must-see. All right. What kind of facts did you find out, girl? So I found out a lot of facts about the Northern Lights. Obviously, that's a very big phenomenon, natural phenomenon, that people travel from all over to see that. And so I was kind of researching. There's a lot of information about the Northern Lights. It's a very complex sort of scientific thing. Um, And so there's a lot of information that people can learn about it. I learned a lot. It's a fun thing to research for people out there who want to know more about it. All of you out there that have children that need to write a report or yeah. do, give a presentation, <laughs> this would probably a, be a good topic for them to consider. Yeah. Um, I actually learned that as of, according to NPR, as of June 10th this year, 2021, um, scientists finally know for sure what causes the Northern Lights. Yeah, Before it was kind year? of, yeah, it was kind of a theory. They had, you know, speculation. They've obviously been studying it for many, many years. But um, as of June, they finally know for sure. It's very complicated, but the natural light show starts when disturbances on the sun, which are geomagnetic storms, um, they pull on the Earth's magnetic field, and that creates creates cosmic undulations, which are called alphan waves, um, and they basically launch electrons at super high speeds into the Earth's atmosphere. Did you study so, science or something in school? I didn't. That's a lot more information than probably anyone needs to know. I'm going to dumb it but, down. Does it sound like there's a sunstorm on the sun and that sun pulls storm. the colors out of the magnetic field of our planet? It basically shoots electrons into our atmosphere. Holy cats. Yeah. That is a phenomenon. Yeah. So that happens in the Arctic Circle on both North and South Pole. Oh, really? Yep. So the North Pole, it, but it depends on the season. Mm. So when it's winter in the North Hemisphere, it's summer in the Southern Hemisphere. So when it's summer and the Northern Lights are not really that prominent, you can see the Southern Lights, which are called Aurora Australis, and then obviously Aurora Borealis in the North. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. And we kind of talked a little bit about like when are they most visible? And mm-hmm. David wasn't totally sure about that. Um, technically, they're there for most of the year, but they are more prominent when there's more hours of darkness. So during the winter months, the days mm-hmm. are shorter. And so that's from late September to early April is like the winter season for way north Arctic Circle. But I also learned that they're very hard to catch. They only kind of last a few minutes at a time and then the, they may like kind of fade away and then they'll come back. Um, but a good show might last between 15 to 30 minutes. Wow. Well, so, he, he sure nailed it then. He got mm-hmm. there at just the right time. Yeah. So those are some beautiful pictures. Depending on how lucky you are, I mean, it may be five minutes it may be it said in in some instances it may go for like a couple of hours um but it seems like 15 to 30 minutes like that's your prime you know we can sometimes born and raised in wisconsin Mm -hmm. we were able to at times see them faintly in the sky oh cool and i didn't know how faintly it was until i saw the pictures from Dave. yeah um because those are spectacular right and once again, you can find these pictures on Dave's website at superdavephotos.com. Yep. 
All right. Yeah. What else did you find out? I did a little bit of research about the Cuban Revolution and, you know, all the old cars there. Basically kind of just found out everything that we already knew. Um, but a little bit of a fun fact was, according to whynotcuba.com, in 1956, there were about 143,000 cars on in Cuba, like Gosh, on Cuban roads, 143,000 cars. Um, but as of the 1962 embargo, they've had very few new cars imported into Cuba. Um, so they've been just recycling and refurbishing parts and putting in new engines and all these kind of stuffs into this old into these old cars. They Which do take part of really good care of them. I noticed he mm-hmm. has some pictures also on his website about or that of these cars, mm-hmm. and they they look brand new. Some of right. them, even though they're super old. So yeah, there's a ton of information on that too about the mechanics and all that kind of stuff. How they put in diesel engines into these cars that weren't made for it, and recycle these all kinds of parts from all different kinds of cars who have, yeah. I don't even know how to change a tire. They're changing out an entire engine. Yeah. I do know how to change a tire. (laughs) Golly gee. So yeah. Anything else from the Cuban area? That was pretty much it. Um, There's a lot you can go into as far as history. I was trying to figure out, you know, some of these things about um, the embargo travel, like there's all kinds of stuff that you can learn about Cuba, but but that's all right. All yeah. right. I have I have a little fun fact. Oh. I, I did a little diving. Oh I brought up the Brady Bunch. Yeah. And I, I said some things I just wanted to clarify. First of all, I thought there was only like three or four seasons, but there's actually five seasons oh. of Brady Bunch shows. And the one oh. that I was referring to is actually called Photographic Evidence. It oh. is season three, episode 11. And as a quick summary, Greg joins a football team. But Carol isn't very happy. Mom is not happy because her son (laughs) might get hurt. Bobby, on the other hand, decides to be a photographer. And he goes and takes pictures of the football team. Oh, nice. That's funny. Yeah. And there's a surprise, a surprise photograph that I kind of blew the high on that one. So I have to go back and watch this episode of the Brady Bunch. I've never seen the Brady Bunch. <laughs> I think I prefaced this in the in the interview that I might be aging myself by saying that. And yes, I think you'd get a kick out of the Brady Bunch, but yeah. I don't know. It's retro, baby. Oh yeah. And then we talked a lot about Lake Alatuna. Yes. And I was going to give some fun facts about Lake Alatuna. However, we have somebody coming up uh, as an interview for Enjoy Cherokee Voices. Yeah. In the near future, Linda Hartsfield. And oh. she is an expert on Lake Alatuna. And I think she's going to bring with her somebody from the Corps of Engineers. So cool. let's just hold off on some fun facts about that. They'll give us all we need in yeah. a few weeks. Stay tuned. Stay Here tuned, baby. Yeah. All right. Is that it? That's it. That's it for me. All right. Thanks so much, Katie. Of course. For all your knowledge. You know, you're, you're a hit out there. <laughs> All seven listeners have contacted us saying, Katie is so smart. Ah, Thanks to Google. Google is the (laughs) smart one. (laughs) Well, we're sure that everything that you pull out is accurate. It's the word. I try. All right. Thanks again. All right. Have a good one.